And I want you to, if you would please, say with me this title, and I want you to say it with strength and conviction. Say, rethink, rethink. How, we fight. how we fight. Every now and then in your marriage, in your life, in your business, you have to rethink how you fight. Fighting is a part of life. You must fight sometimes to keep your focus. You have to fight to keep your money straight. Anybody know about that? Uh, you know, as a pastor, there are things you fight. I talked a little bit about it last week. You know, I talked about how you fight sometimes just to um, keep the budget strong, keep enough resources in the house so you can do what you have to do for God. And if you are afraid of a good fight, you, you can't do much. You can't do much broke. All you can do is complain. Talk about people that have money and complain. But you can't do much yourself. You can't buy tickets. You can't go anywhere. So all you can do is what? Complain. complain. It takes courage to fight past the fear of having money, fight past the fear of having advantage. In other words, your, your advantage is here. Your friends are here. They don't have as much advantage. They don't have much control of their time or whatever. And you'll feel guilty. You have to fight that off. You have to say, that's not my issue. I can't feel guilty because I have what you don't. And, and, and I can say no. And I feel bad because that's not my responsibility. I can't own that for you. And that doesn't mean I'm a bad friend. It just means that I don't own your choices and your life. And it's not bad. And somebody's saying, oh, boy. Oh, please, fight past that, too. <laughs> fight past feeling bad about what I just said. Rethink how you fight. I'm not the fight. It's not about me. As a matter of fact, the verse that we um, used, Ephesians 6 and 12 last week, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. It's, it's a, the fight is really beyond the physical. That's what the, the verse basically teaches. And I, I think sometimes you have to back up a little bit and, and rethink it, because some of you really think your fight is your dad or your mom or your sister, and you spend all your energies fighting those people, and it's the wrong fight. And so what I've done is I've talked uh, last week about fight the right fight. Say that with me, please, come on. Fight the right fight. And I talked about how you need to pick the right fight, because if you, you make it, you know, overcoming by faith, overcoming by faith is not your fight. Gee whiz, the hope is more than that. I mean, don't, don't make that your fight. Don't make me your fight. I don't like him. Okay, fine, stop fighting me. Don't worry about it. Be free. In Jesus' name. You know, fight the right fights. One more time, come on. Fight the right. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this all week long. Am I fighting the right fight? Am I, why are you worried about these kids in middle school? What, do they pay you? What, do they house you? These high school people? I'm not, I'm not trying to put them down. I'm just simply saying, why do you care that the people in the job don't like you? Is that because, are you did you get hired for favor, or is like I'm trying to make new friends, or did you hire, get hired for a paycheck? I think it was a paycheck. All in agreement, say amen. amen. That's right, right? I'm not saying go to work and be a jerk or a jerkette. I'm not saying that, right? I'm saying to you that you need, you like that, didn't you? Wasn't that creative? Right. But what, you, what, you, what I'm saying is you lost sight of why you took the job. 
And now you're all been out of shape because apartment A doesn't like apartment B and you're in apartment B and you want to stop it. Get the job done. Make some money. Do well. Advance. That's the purpose. I mean, I have to remember, I'm here for a reason. I, I, I'm going to digress another minute. A friend of mine, Robert Morris, who's Pastor Gateway, was teaching on tithing. And he said, I don't apologize. I don't apologize for teaching you to give. I don't apologize for making you feel bad if you don't. He says, I don't apologize. I want you to tithe and honor God so he can open the windows of heaven and bless you. I want the church to have the resource to do the work of God. I'm not going to apologize. I thought it was such a strong statement. And it made, me, it made me think, you know, sometimes we spend so much time apologizing. You're in business and you're apologizing for making money. Your church, you're, you're apologizing for helping people. You're apologizing. What are you apologizing for? Do, if you're doing a good work, don't apologize. Say amen. Yeah. Be strong. Be committed. Be focused. Be, 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 you know, be engaged. You know, I don't apologize for telling this place better be clean. In Jesus' name, I mean that. It better be clean. Glass it better be cut. I want to cut everything. We cut it twice a week because once ain't enough. When it's growing season, I want to cut twice a week. So then they're out here. You come, you, just, you see them ride. Because when I come, I want, I want it looking good. I want it to look right. I don't, want, I don't want it above my shoes in Jesus' name. Oh, he's a fanatic. No, I want good grass. Come on, amen. I want it to look right. And because I don't want you to drive by there when you get past your church, you say, cover your eyes. <laughs> cover your eyes. It's amazing how some of you lost, some of us can easily lose sight of the right things. And you become detached. And you're fighting the wrong fight. I've gone to churches and they're fighting the spirit. They're fighting against the devil. And I go to their bathroom and I'm telling you, they should come in here and fight. I went to a church I'll never forget. I won't say what city. And I was appalled. I was appalled. I thought, what in the world? We're in this land of the devil. We need to come and slay these germs. There's stuff everywhere in here. What is this? This is the devil. I've been to two churches recently. One, this, well, hallelujah. Anyway, I went to one. I want to say, well, amen. Move on, Ricky Temple. Fast. It was horrific. I thought, this is what we need to bring all the deacons and the elders in here and fight the devil. Because he's in this bathroom. And it, it, it really, you're fighting the wrong fight. You're not paying attention, or at least trying to pay attention to what really is your issue. If for a moment, if you can take every person off your table, every individual, and say, what is my issue? Is it the commanding officer? Really? Maybe it's not. Is it the army? Maybe it's not the army. Somebody's trying to get in the army. You've been in so long, you can forget it's a privilege to be in the army. When you hear the drawdown, then you start getting nervous. Okay, but wait a minute. I thought you didn't care. What happened? You don't want to be all you can be anymore. I'm sorry. You with me? You can get to the place that you forget, and you start fighting the gifts that God gives you, the business God gave you, the children. You're fighting the wrong fight. Today, we talk about fighting the right way. Next week, we'll talk about fighting with the right tools. Look at Matthew chapter 13. I talked about this a little bit in this service last week, not in the last service, but let me just paraphrase this again. It's a parable of the sower. And a parable is uh, uh, simply, um, the word literally means to put things side by side. And the goal is to make you see something that you didn't see. A very simple, a very plain illustration. And generally, 
a, a parable, and I, you can read the definition I gave you there in your notes, but the, a parable basically gives you a big point. You used to say, you know, the moral of the story is, you know, and you have this big point. A little bit different than an allegory, which has more details, but this is sort of like a big point. And when you, when you do Bible um, um, interpretation, thus smart people will tell you, you know, be careful. It's a parable. Don't, get, don't look at every detail and think it means something that God's saying to you. You know, and he walked across a tree. God wants you to walk across a tree. You know, whatever. Stop all that. It's not, it's, what's the big point? And so you take the parable, kind of like Proverbs, and you have a punchline. What's the big punchline in the whole text? And so I, I wanted to give you what I think is the bottom line punchline, the bottom line message, the bottom line point in three parables. The parable of the sower, the, the parable of the wheat and the tares, and the parable of the mustard seed. In each of these parables, there is a point. And so what I want you to do is look at me, and, let me, let me, and I, I, I couched it in the term fight. And, and you'll see what I mean in a minute. So the first one I want you to see is say fight by, and, and this answers the question. Let me say this first. It answers the question, is there another way to fight and throw punches in life? Is the only way to throw a punch in life to physically throw a punch? Is that the only way? And if, if you're not careful, you'll, you'll, you'll get confused and you'll, you'll, you'll use the laws of physical fighting which are very specific. You know, if you ever, if you ever took any kind of fighting classes or, or you, you know, there are rules, foot, you know, footwork, where your foot, foot is. You know, it's really important, body, body position, where you, move, where you move your hands. All those things uh, are important. Technique is really important. And if you ever take any kind of fighting classes, they'll tell you, you know, it, you, you kick a certain way, you lift your leg, you, you, the way you move, everything is specific. The way you throw your elbow, the punch, everything, the way you move your hands, all that's designed to bring the maximum strength to the punch. And, and, and I think what happens in, 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 in our Christian life, we, we see fighting that way. It's, it's this way. It, it, it has more, 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 more of that, but there's a, there's a principle here, I'm telling you, that shows you another way to fight. And I can do a number of these, but I've chose three today. And I want you to repeat them with me, please. Say, fight by investing wisely. Now, believe it or not, that's one great way to fight. If you make wise investments, if you make wise use of the seed, if I can use that term, they should use it for farmers, right? If a farmer has a bag of seed, if he wisely sows the seed, he can change his life. The harvest can be phenomenal. Secondly, you can fight by waiting patiently. Say that with you, please. Come on. Fight by waiting patiently. Believe me, sometimes rushing is what kills you. It's you're too big of a hurry to get to a place. And then the last one we'll talk about with, with me, say fight by starting small. Come on. Fight by starting small. It's the, the problem you have is everything has to be big. This is the parable of the, of the um, um, mustard seed. I want to show this slide. Can I guys show, show the mustard seed? The mustard seed is this size. This is the size of the mustard seed. It's really small. But this mustard seed grows into, next slide please, this tree. Now what's interesting is, how do you get from the mustard seed to the tree? Now I want to show you how all that fits into this fight discussion. So go back with me to the top one. Let's talk first of all about fighting by investing wisely. 
Matthew chapter 13 records a parable called the parable of the sower. And in this parable, he describes a farmer. Now, you, you're not a farmer, so you, you, you don't necessarily see it. But the farmer would take the seed, right? And the farmer would throw the seed out. And when he throws the seed out, all the seed wouldn't land where he wanted it to, on the path. So it would fall off and he called the wayside. It would just not land where they wanted to. Some seed would he'd throw out, it would land on stones and rocks. And because it landed on the stone or a rock, it couldn't grab any soil. It couldn't grab any, it would never root. And then some seed would fall among the thorns. And when it fell among the thorns, you know, it, it would be surrounded. And so it would literally choke the seed. And then, but some seed, he said, would fall in the good ground. And that's what would bring him profit down the road. And so in describing this, I thought, what an incredible example of investing wisely. And Jesus takes this analogy, and here's what he says about it. And he, he parallels it in a parable, right, side by side, to make a great point about investing and how it works. Verse 18, therefore, hear the parable of the sower, under number one, point one. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, Matthew 18, verse 18, when anyone hears the words of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away. What does he do? Snatches away that which was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed. Where? By the wayside. So imagine, if you would please, that, you, you know, that something was told to you, explained to you, and then you looked up and you didn't invest in what you were told. You invest in something new that you were told by somebody you just met. Can you go back in your mind and imagine... Who is the person that told you to reinvest your body or reinvest your time or reinvest your money? You have one set of priorities, but when you met this person, you changed. You used to make these kind of investments, but when you met them, they literally snatched your values out of your mind and changed your mind. And you start making different investments. You start hanging around different friends, different people. You, you, were, you were fine at the job, and then you start hanging around with this group of people at the job, and they started complaining. And instead of investing in improving the company, you start investing in complaining about the company. Everything changed. Who snatched your old attitude from you? Who created for you? In this parable, Jesus says, that is like seed falling by the wayside. Fascinating thought. The next thing he says is, in verse 20, he who receives the seed on the stony places is he who hears the word, immediately receives it with joy. This person has great joy, but the person does not have roots. Root investment is so important. If I'm going to invest my seed, my time, my gift, it has to have roots. It has to be strong. It has to have long-lasting potential, not just short potential, short-time potential. What I love about this verse under number two here in investing in strong roots is this whole idea is if a person is going to be successful, they've got to, number one, invest in good advice. They've got to have people in their life that they listen to, they give them good advice, and don't snatch away the stuff that's good in their life. You've got you to have people in your life who invest good things in your mind. You've got to be a person who focuses on investing in being rooted in strong soil. You can't be a happy person who's flaky. You know, you're, you're, you're really excited, but there's no root. It's, it's kind of like a love life that's just centered around kissing and hugging, and that's all there is. That's nice stuff, but if you're not careful, that's not rootable. 
That's not strong enough to withstand disease and sickness and financial challenge and children that have gone astray and death and all the stuff that requires roots. And so if you are going to be the person who's going to fight, the wise way to invest is to invest in things that root. Invest in things that give you good advice, that doesn't take away, bad, uh, take away good advice from your life. You want to invest in the right appetites. Verse 22, he who received the seeds among the thorns, talked about that, right? Is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and they become unfruitful. You got to be careful that you don't develop an appetite for stuff, that you don't invest in things that hurt you. You know, what's, what's really amazing is when you take an honest look at our appetites, they can really get off. And I talked about this last week a little bit to you, but I want to just, just think of it this way. If I'm really honest, there are several things I have liked over the years that were bad for me. Now, let's see if I'm by myself. Has anybody here says, Pastor Rick, before God in heaven and in church, um, even home, okay, you're in church too, you'd say, there are a few things in my life I've liked that weren't good for me. Raise your hand. Yeah. And the question is, why do you keep investing in it? Because it's good. You know, I was, um, I'm, I'm not going to say this song. I said it yesterday, but we're, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> Somebody say, say it, right? right, right. But it's me, not you. I was someplace, and this song came on, and I was, I was just, just kind of just listening to the song, you know. And all of a sudden, I started going, oh, man, you know. Just clapping my hand. And I was, I was in the grocery store. I was someplace public. And I was just, that's, I was just, and before you know it, it was a Marvin Gaye song. I'm going to leave it there. And I was sitting there, and I'm telling you, I was all into the song and didn't realize I was all into the song. And, and you'll be surprised if you're not careful. And some of you are saying, which one? None of your business. Anyway, but, you, you know, you just sit there, and before you know it, you don't pay attention to the words. You just like the beat. And you just rock it. And then all of a sudden I started singing before, because I know the song. I mean, come on. You know, I knew the song. And then I started singing. I said, oh, Lucy, a devil. Jesus' name. The, the devil is a liar. I will not be singing that song. Hallelujah. I'm a holy man. Jesus' name. <laughs> Can I, can I give you a real moment of hypocrisy in my life? One thing I did was really, I was, it was so fake. I, it was true. I, was, I, was, I can even tell you who I was writing with. I don't know, I don't know if I should tell you. Who I, but it was somebody who went to the church. Now, you want to know everything. I'm not telling you who it was. But anyway, I was writing, I was writing with this, it was a teenager at the time. And I was in the car. And this song isn't a bad song. It's not a bad song. But, I, you know, I had this season in my life where everything I sang had to be all Jesus and and some of you need to go back to that because you're singing all the other stuff, you know. But, but, but I, was, I was in the car, and I'll, I'll sing this one. I was singing, it was, um, that's what friends are for in good times and bad times. And I was just singing, da, 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 I was just singing. And, and, the, and, and the guy, the teenager said, Pastor, uh, is, is that a blues song? I said, and that's what Jesus came for. And I changed the words, you know, I changed the Phony baloney. Talk about faking. You think he didn't know you changed the words? Every now and then in your life, if you're not careful, you just have an appetite for something different. A certain kind of music, a certain kind of feeling. The key thing is to not invest in appetites that hurt you. 
I, I, just, I just think it's healthy to have a passion and an appetite for something, but to make sure that you have not developed an unhealthy attitude and, and you're investing in things that don't advance your life. And so invest wisely in good advice. Invest in strong roots. Invest in controlled appetites that don't hurt you. Invest, number four, in being informed. Verse 23 is one of the greatest verses in this. Verse um, 23 says, he who receives the seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understood it. There's nothing like understanding. There's nothing like knowing. And for some of you, this is the season you get it. You may not have gotten it years ago, but right now you would never make those choices again. You fully are connected. And that's why this can be the greatest fight season of your life, because you now know what to invest in. You understand now what not to do. And so if you really get clear, you won't let the, the appetites of the world choke out what you know. You, 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 when people tell you and try to snatch out your convictions, and they're trying to get you back in the club. You say, man, I'm not going back to the club. I'm not, that, that club wasn't good for me. I was in there looking around. I need to keep my eyes straight. What am I doing in here? Let me get out of here. For, I mean, some of you said that appetite wasn't good for me. It choked my vision. Not going to church, that's a bad thing for me. I, there's certain things you can go back and list and say, these five things were bad. And now you have another vision, a whole new view that's prompted you to be a patient person, which brings me to my second point. Everybody say, wait patiently. The next parable in this story is a parable that has always been interesting to me because it's a parable that talks about wheat and tares. And if you can imagine, wheat was a very important food, and so wheat would be a part of what a farmer would work to plant, and then weeds and tares would grow up in the wheat and kind of get all entangled. And you had to have a person physically go in and separate the wheat and the tear. And you had to be a professional. You had to do it right. Otherwise, you pull up the root of the, of the wheat. And so in this parable, Jesus said, while he slept, and this is so important, an enemy came and sowed tares in this man's wheat and left and went away. Verse 26 of Matthew 13 says, but when the grain has sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the man didn't even know, this is so important, the man didn't know for years, didn't, no, not for years, but for months, that this had been done. Have you ever had something done to you and you didn't know it was done? Until months later. And so when, it, when, when the harvest comes and now the wheat and the tear have grown together, it appeared in verse 27, so the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your children's life? Did you not sow good seed in your field? Did you not sow good seed in your family? Did you not sow good seed in your church? Did you not sow good seed? Did you not sit down and interview everybody that you hired and went through the whole process and you did everything to make sure you got the right person and they came in here and then they got around the wrong people on the job and now they're talking about you and they're not productive. All of a sudden, did you not sow good seed? You know, you feel that way sometimes. No, I sowed good seed in that boy. I did not teach him that. I did not teach her that. They learned that at school or someplace else. I did not teach you to steal. What would you steal for, boy? For some tennis shoes? You got a closet full. What in the world? Where did you get that mindset from? Where did you get that language from? I mean, you can go through a list of things. 
Did I not sow good seed? Say that out loud. Come on. Did I not sow good seed? That's how you feel. Did I not talk to you about this? I laid this out for you. I told you my mistakes. I gave you a map. Did I not sow good seed? Now, at the end of the day, he said an enemy came. And he's done this. An enemy came and sowed in this field. And the servant said to him, do you want us to go and gather them up? Now, this is the, this is, this is the big point. You ready? This, this is it. Here's what he says. No. Verse 29. Matthew 13. Not, while you, not, not, not least while you gather the, up the tares, you uproot the wheat with them. Let them grow together. I want you, verse 30 of Matthew 13 is one of the most profound statements. No. Let them grow together. You can't fix it now. This is not the time to fix everything in your life. You're going to have to just learn to wait patiently. There's a study that's coming down the pike. I'm going to do it probably in a couple of weeks, and it's a study about Daniel. And in this study of Daniel, I'm going to share with you a principle that I think is so profound because Daniel, at 17, was in a circumstance he couldn't change right away. He was going to live in that circumstance until he was in his 80s. Some things you can't fix now. You know what the Christian problem is? You want to fix everything. Now. You want to fix everybody. You want to always, when you meet with people, you always bring in your fix-it list, and you want to have a long fix-it conversation. Well, let's talk about what needs to be fixed in your life right now. So every conversation is like you got a toolbox, and you're screwing on people and hammering on them and sawing them. You saw this off of you, son. Come here, let me hammer that back into you, girl. And when people see you coming, they tighten up. They go, oh. And here's what my pastor Jack Hafer said years ago when I was a kid in school. I love this. He said, the reason God said don't, don't do this is because you amputate people. You don't fix them. Let the wheat and the tear grow together. Why would Jesus let Judas be in the disciples for three and a half years? You think he didn't see it before then? That's the issue. You, you want to fix everybody right now, your wife, the reason she marries you was so you can fix her. <laughs> so every conversation is, well, let me tell you how to, you can be all you can be. This is <laughs> so you got these lectures you give all the time to everybody you meet. That's why you married the guy. The guy married you so you can fix him, right? That's the whole point. His clothes, his hair, his this, his that. You need to do this and you need to be more romantic. And here's how you be romantic. And you got a, you got a whole romantic class for him. And he looks at you and says, oh, here comes the fix-it woman. <laughs> I frustrate people because I don't do that. I don't bother you. If you don't come to church, I don't talk about you. If I see you in the street, people be apologizing. They say, hey, be free. I know why you didn't come. You didn't want to come. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you sometimes. I know what you're going through. But I got to go, you know what I mean? <laughs> Some obligation I've committed to or something, you know. The preacher man cannot not show up. I mean, you know, it's just, I, I, no, I'm being candid. I'm being honest. There are days I get up like you go to work. Oh, please. I love what I do. I really do. So I never really fight coming. But some days you want to go to the beach. <laughs> and it's that spiritual, people. Short pants at the beach. Where's your pastor? He didn't come to church today. I saw him at the beach. <laughs> you are not. Yeah, I got him on video right here. He was swimming out there with <laughs> Can't believe Pastor Rick just stayed home. 
Where was I? I don't even know where I was now. Y'all don't get me all off my point. What was my point? Trying to fix everybody, yeah. Thank you. And you know, there are times you just need to let people alone. There are times you need to say it's really okay. And guess what? It can start small. The next parable and the final one for the day before we go is verse 31. Sometimes the best fight method is simply wait. The best fight method is to simply say, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to invest in that anymore. I'm not going to swing any punches. I no longer will invest in that because that is just not good advice and that will never root and that's an appetite that's unhealthy and I just know better. I'm informed. I know where to put my seed so it'll grow. I'm clear that in my life, I have no, there's no value in being in a hurry. This is going to take a while. I have a child. This is a 10-year project. He's going to be a fool for at least nine more years. So, so, so why am I worried? Why am I, why am I upset? Like I need to go to bed. They're up. Hey, they're partying. I need to go to sleep. Hey, don't need me being up all night. I might as well pause for a minute. That's, that's, it, it, I need patience. And maybe from this small beginning, something great can grow. Listen to this verse, verse 31. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man, mustard seed, which a man took and, his, and, his, and, his, and sowed in the field, which indeed in the least, is the least of all the seeds. But when it grows, when it's grown, when it's grown, starts off, show me my image, please. It starts off small, small. Don't make much minimum wage, not impressive, small. And you feel so bad. You feel like, oh, I went to school for this job. I went to school. And, you, and, you know, and I, I see pastors go through this all the time. You know, they want every seat filled, filled. It's not God's will. It's not God's will. It's not ever God's will. God, small, small, start small. Your house, you complain about it because it's so small. It's, listen, but it grows to my next image, a tree. It grows to this big image. And put my tree up, guys. My tree. Get my tree. Show me my tree. There you go. My tree. That is the dream. Now I want you to leave my tree up. Because my tree says a lot to you. This tree says, it takes a while to get from. All right, you ready? I'm going to switch again. Back to my seed. You ready? It's, it takes a while to get from this seed. Okay, you ready? Go back to the tree. To the tree. Seed, come on. Seed, seed. There you go, tree. Now leave my tree up. It takes a while to transition from the seed to the tree. And you don't like this. That's why I'm going to leave the tree up. Because I want you to see, for you to have a great marriage and a great business, you're going to have to go through seasons, and that's the frustrating part. But if you have the courage to do this, that's the best fight, I'm telling you. What gets more people in trouble is you're trying to be a tree right away. And look at me. You're not strong enough to be a tree. You don't need a million-dollar business. You need a $30,000 business. I'm sorry, a $500 business. I'm sorry, a $50 business. 
You need to start with something small. Go make 50 bucks. I mean, show me that you got, look, you're not going to, you don't need to be Walmart. You're not Walmart material today. And if you think you are, you're mistaken. If you think you're a tree, you're not there yet. And it's okay that you're not there because you're not supposed to be. One of the greatest lessons I think I've come to learn is it's really okay, Ricky Temple. When I, right now, we have 3,200 active members in the church, and that number is purged every year. It's not a made-up number. I'm not made, you just come in small pieces. That's fine. Yay for us. But here's the deal. We didn't need to start off at 3,200 members. We need to start off at, at, at 10, at 15. The process is what makes you able to stand. And if you, come on, amen. You, you hear me? The process. And so, Father, I pray for your people today. I pray in Jesus' name that they would understand that simply by investing wisely, they can fight off a whole lot of things. Simply by making some bold decisions in their life and saying, you know, I can't fix everything today. Some wheat and some tear have to grow together. Imperfections have to be a part of our family. It's going to be a little sloppy for a minute. They're not going to be neat for another five years. So, hallelujah. Need it up the best we can, running around the house on a rampage and causing strife. It's just not going to work. Finding new ways to make it work, sitting around lecturing people every day. I'm not saying, Lord, we shouldn't challenge people to grow. I'm simply saying we need to pause. I'm not saying just, and I want you to please stop the prayer. Look at me. I am not saying do this. You ready? Are you hearing me? Because this is not how I roll. This is not what I'm saying to do, because some people will take what I'm saying and you'll miss the point. I am not saying, when it comes to everything, this does, okay, whatever, let it all just hang. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying for you to just give up on excellence. What I'm saying is, sometimes the wheat and the tear grow together for a while. Are you hearing me? You got uncles and aunts and uncles that aren't changing. Don't go to the family reunion and preach all the time. Go in there with your Bible and start yelling at people and telling people what to do. Listen, just go eat. Just go be a nice person. Come on, say amen. Are you hearing me? Just go be a nice person. Come on, come on, come on. Be a nice person. Father, help us to see the balance in what I'm saying. May it help us connect. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, is anybody here who doesn't know you as Savior? Anybody who does not know you? Let this be the moment that they rethink their life and make the best investment they can ever make. Their fight's not with me, our religion, our church, or pastors, or we're all imperfect. We're not Jesus, you are. And we don't ever need to get that confused. So Lord, I want to pray for people today who need to start a walk with you. Who want to get their life on the right road. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, you're saying, Pastor Rick, pray for me because what you said today, I get. And I need to start a walk with God today. And I want you to just pray a prayer. With every head bowed, raise your hand if you say, that's me. Raise your hand. Anybody say, pray for me. I want your prayer. I see you. Anybody else? Pray for me. I see you. Anybody else? Pray for me. My walk with God. I see you. Anybody else? Pray for me. Pray. I see you back there. Anybody else? Anybody else? I see you. I think. Yeah, I see you. Father, touch these people who've raised their hands and some who've raised their hearts, both here and at home. Let this be the beginning of a new moment for their lives. We thank you for them. We speak blessing in their lives. In Jesus' name.
May they come to know you today as Savior. You died on the cross so they can be free. Jesus paid the price for their freedom. And I pray that they would find healing and blessing in you. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. You glad you came? Come on, are you really glad you came? I am too.